Hello, and welcome to the 20th episode of Into the Spotlight. I'm Ryan. And I'm Morley. Dang, 20 episodes. That is pretty cool. It's such a milestone. Yeah. Um, But before we pat ourselves too much on the back, uh, I want to introduce our amazing guest today, which is Sarah Giffen of Viv Jewelry. She is, as the name would imply, an amazing jewelry maker, artist, illustrator. She's seems to be branching out into many different um, materials and mediums, which I'm super excited to dive into. Um, so without further ado, Sarah, uh, thanks for coming on and welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be your 20th episode. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm excited to start chatting. Yes, as uh, Vincent Ferrari would say, who has been mentioned a few times in this podcast, once you hit 20, uh, apparently it means you're legit, but I think it more just means that like then you have enough momentum that it's not such like a, everyone's not so new. So hmm. we're seasoned pros now. Yeah. Um, I think so. <laughs> I, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, Sarah is a jewelry maker here in Toronto, and I actually met her very briefly behind masks when I was looking for a gift for Eden for Hanukkah last year. Um, and I found, I was actually walking around Queen Street East and I walked by Arts Market and I was looking in the window because it was closed for in-store shopping, just trying to get inspired for a gift. And I saw your stuff, which was really cool. And Eden is so difficult to buy jewelry for. And I was like, this is something like she might actually like. Um, and then you were, your place was right on the way to my leather supply store that I like to go to. So um, I was like, can I just pick it up and I'm happy that you came down because it seemed like you were super slammed uh, for holiday orders. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great to see you without a mask now, which the people listening cannot see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you too, actually. Um, yeah, that was a that was a busy time. I'm actually really surprised at how many people saw my stuff through that window because I had no clue that they even put a display up. And what's hilarious okay. is I remember, like, I asked you, oh, does your girlfriend, like, does she follow my page or has she, like, seen my stuff? And you were just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's never seen it. I just hope she'll like it. <laughs> no, she did, though. Um, <laughs> I'm glad. And I was nervous, but no, she really did, um, which is, is great. I'm glad. Couldn't ask for a better result. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did this all come about? Because it seems like it's been a – a pretty fast acceleration uh, the last like couple years or so. Um, so I just love to hear the story of like how you got to where you are right now. Yeah. Um, well, let's bring it back to May, 2019. Um, no, no, no. Let's bring it back farther. I was, so I, I'm from Kingston. I moved to Toronto uh, for school to go to OCAD university for illustration. Um, I did three years, like I was liking it okay, but at the same time, it wasn't like what I expected it to be. But but like, there's, I had nothing else in mind. I had no other career aspirations. I've been creative all my life. I was like, this is what I want to do. I guess this is just how you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's crazy about like the design programs there is that they drain you like they you're like a sponge you're just like they take everything out of you creatively which helps you improve but also just it makes you not want to create outside of school so I was having that problem constantly where I was doing all these projects and trying to meet deadlines for my professors because they were like this is what this industry is going to do to you like you're going to stay up until 
8 a.m. the next morning trying to meet deadlines for your like your directors and things like that. And I was like, man, I don't know if I want this life. <laughs> um, and what ended up happening is every summer after the um, school year ended, I didn't want to be creative at all. So for the first two years in the summer, I was just like laid back. I wasn't doing anything creative at all, no drawing or anything. And then um, third year came and it was kind of like a shift where I was like, I don't, I want to stay creative, but I don't feel creative in the ways they're still pushing me to be. I want to branch out and see if I can find something else just to keep my mind still going. So for when next year I come back, I can, I can bring all these new skills and new things into it. Um, So I started playing with clay and it was just like air dry clay. And I was trying to make like plant pots they were so bad. It was like, it was not for me. I, I scrapped that. Like I, I didn't do anything for like two or three weeks. And then I picked up a different kind of clay. So what I use for my jewelry is polymer clay. So it's kind of like a fake clay where instead of using a kiln, it's, it's got resins and plastics in it. So you bake it in your oven and then it turns durable. Um, so I just like bought some, it comes in little packages. I, made like and it comes colored too so you can mix your colors and everything and I just made little studs and I baked them and I glued the earring back on them and I just thought that was the craziest thing because it's like (laughs) just this little thing but now it's wearable and I'd never like at OCAD they never taught you about that realm of hey you can turn illustration into something that is useful like wearable or other types of things it's mostly just like editorial magazine you're going to do a digital illustration you're going to do this never anything else which kind of sucks but I found that and then I kept going I was just having fun people started telling me like oh my god I'd buy that and I'm like really (laughs) are you sure (laughs) um and then what ended up happening is I had a uh my sorry my boss at my old job she um, told me I should just like go sell on the street because in Toronto, like people just do that. They bring whatever onto the street and then they sell it. And I was like, that's pretty scary. But I, okay. It took me a couple of weeks to work up the nerve. But at, once I had like maybe like 10 different pairs of earrings, I just took a, like a crate and a cork board and I sat um, at Queen and Spadina and I just sat on the ground and just, like hoped someone would look at me but it was also really scary because I'm like wait I don't want anyone to look at me (laughs) um and what ended up happening is a girl stopped and she bought two pairs she was my first customer she was like amazed and I'm that like I don't know electrified something (laughs) and then I had one or two more customers and then by the end of the day I made $50 and that ignited everything just the fact that like I could go and do that and make a little bit of money was insane to me. It was really, really uh, cool. So I kept doing that all summer. And then it came to the point where I had to decide whether I wanted to go back to school or not, because this was, I made an Instagram, it was turning big. I didn't know what I wanted to do because I felt like if I discarded this, I'd never come back to it. And I'd just go back to like feeling sad at school. So I made a decision to take the year off. And within 
within the second semester of that year, I actually did, I did a jewelry course at OCAD and I didn't like it. I didn't like the way they framed their course at all. So it helped me realize like, no, I actually don't want to be at OCAD at all. I don't think I want to be in school at all, actually. So I ended up against my family's wishes dropping out and I've just been pursuing it ever since, especially with COVID. Uh, it just helped me really, really focus and really um, expand my brand, expand the products that I make. I don't just do jewelry now. I do like wall decor and I do illustration too. And it's just kind mm. of blossomed over the last, I guess, two years now. Yeah. That's incredible. That's such an amazing story. Like just hearing when like the moment you first sold some of your jewelry, how it just opened this whole new world for you to discover. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's extremely exhilarating. And I was wondering maybe because I was looking at your website before and if you could maybe explain a bit a, a bit more about the significance behind the name that you chose Viv Jewelry and why it's so important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, so it's named, first of all, after my grandma on my mom's side. Her name was Vivian. And she was like this woman who was just so funny and so sarcastic and just so energetic and hilarious that I don't know when I when I think of her I just like feel really happy and so that's where viv comes from but it also comes from the word vivacious which kind of just means like lively and high spirited and these are like thinking of her and then thinking of that word like that's what I like to portray in everything I make especially with the colors and the designs so yeah that's where it's from it's funny that you like dropped out of art school or design school. I don't really know where the distinction <laughs> lies, but um, but I can tell that like you have that sort of like studied art in the university setting mentality in, in terms of the branding and everything else. Like I've, I've talked to some other people who went to art school and they definitely <clears throat> have, are very impressive with like centering their brand around a theme and, and something that like is very identifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's it, even, even though like you didn't finish, it sounds like, it gave you a lot. Yeah, that's something I will always give it. It definitely taught me everything that I needed to know to start. So it, mm-hmm. it taught me so much, especially like the profs being so hard on you. That helped me too, because it helped me be an inner critic into what is the viewer seeing and like, is this easy to read type stuff. And then I think, honestly, even though people tell me, oh, you only had one year left, why would you drop out? I think I dropped out at the perfect time because I don't think I needed anything else. I think I got exactly what I needed. And then that's that's good for me. I don't need a, a degree for it. And do you still find yourself in situations where you're still drawing upon all those past experiences, whether it's inside or outside the classroom and incorporating more into your art as you continue to develop? Yeah, constantly, constantly. The biggest thing for me is... Um, the way they taught color theory, I'm I, like, I mm. love color theory so much. And I, they taught me so much. And I take that every time I do a new piece, like that's what I take into consideration first. But yeah, again, just with like the criticism and everything, I, I take a lot from what I learned. But then I also remember why I dropped out just like sometimes there are a lot of things that I didn't agree with, with the, mm-hmm. the props and stuff. But I definitely, yeah, I definitely reference it a lot in, in my everyday life. Yeah, it's, um, it was something we were talking about with our last episode, Chris, who is, is a chef. And there's all these professions where 
people go through a super intense experience. And then when they become professors, they feel like they have to put their students through that experience because they say, well, this is the way that I learned it. Um, I don't know how accurate that is, but at, at least in the art world, but it, it, is, it is the case in, in many other professions and worlds. It's a, it's a very like self-perpetuating state. And it, it, you know, like I think, especially when people are growing up in a time where you can start an Instagram or start a store without a physical presence um, in the world, it really is very different. It's like, it's cool that you can kind of realize you're like, I got what I need from this experience and I'm going to move on because this isn't a degree where I need like a professional designation to be an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, Oh, well you have an art degree. Well, here you go. You're an artist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and That's so true. And also like, that's, I feel like the curriculum that they're teaching is so outdated because they don't mention any of that kind of stuff. They don't mention that you can, you don't have to go with an art director or go with a magazine or do freelance to make it like you can just build an audience online now and you can make, you can be just as successful as how they were doing it 20 years ago, but they don't, they don't teach you any of that. And I think that's what really bothered me as well. Mm. Yeah. And, and so critical like just looking at your social media profiles and your website to have control of how you represent your work and yourself since your identity is tied so much with the work and being able to present that in the way that you see fit. That's a very important thing that, you know, that's amazing that all artists now have that control over their work now on, on like any other time that they did before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I, I love that aspect of being able to create your own social media and do your own business online. Because it's, it's also less intimidating too, because people really genuinely on social media want to share about themselves. So it just feels like it flows a lot better than maybe what it would in the past. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a good point. Um, and I think with business too, it feels that way. Like it can be difficult giving someone a price over the phone or in person. But if you have that sort of like wall of, you know, text between you and the internet, it's a, it's a little easier. And I find that sometimes with my own work, like I don't love talking about it out loud sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I, I'll share it through photos and captions and videos and everything else. But sometimes when people ask me to like talk about it, it feels like I'm being forced to like describe it in a way that I don't want to. Mm. Mm. And, and, and sometimes I feel guilty about that because I'm like, Oh, well, like they just like, it's like, I would ask someone like, how was your day? Like, what did you, what are you going to do today? What are you working on? But, um, I, I think it's when you are really like controlling how you're outputting your stuff and it's, it isn't like a digital medium. It can feel a little pressuring to communicate in a way that you don't, you're not doing most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super true. Yeah. I'm the same way when people kind of ask me in person, okay, what do you do? It's kind of like, okay, First of all, where do I start? And also, <laughs> how long do you have? Yeah, yeah. And also, like, I'm not, I'm trying to be humble too. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's weird. I definitely agree with that. But it's definitely easier to just put it in their faces and not have to physically talk about it to them, just like write some text about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like letting the work speak for itself. Here, you see it now. Exactly. No. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting um, what you're mentioning before about your experience when you're at OCAD, because I was in a similar place as well, where you're doing so many assignments and projects, because I was doing so many video projects, whether like little short docs or short films, and you do like eight of those during the year, 
And then once the summer period rolled around, you're just so exhausted because you've been working on these things so much. And it kind of took away time from like, you know, the own work that you want to pursue in projects. There's just either isn't enough time or just not enough energy. And you just like to live a life, you know, just in general to find some of that inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does that compare now, now that you're now that it's now a business? Are there certain similarities and differences when it comes to like that sort of time management? Um, so I could compare it to when I was working my other part-time job. I I actually felt the opposite because now this is my, for a long time, this has been like my main income, my main thing that I do every day, all day. So what ended up happening is the switch is when I was going to work, it ended up being my escape. So I think um, like sort of similar is that like I tend to like get really, really into it still. I feel like maybe that's just me or OCAD kind of like program that into me to just like constantly <laughs> go, go, go and like do the art until it's like absolutely finished and then possibly take a break. But um, yeah, I think compared to the summer break that was forced and you felt exhausted, it kind of felt like when I had my other job, that was the same type of thing. But I had to get away from my job that well I mean like my creative pursuit I don't know <laughs> it's like <laughs> no I've I felt very similar like you know things that you enjoy doing can also become things that you don't enjoy doing if you're kind of like forced to do them mm-hmm. like I was doing some like uber eats bike courier work last year um and it was really fun for a while because a lot of my day I was working on stuff that like took a lot of focus and concentration and decision making. And then I could go out for like an hour and just like bike around and not have to think and listen to music and like look at all the interesting buildings in Toronto um, and have like a little bit of social interaction. I was like, this is great. But then eventually <laughs> it started getting in the way. And I was like, this isn't worth the like, like $30, $40 I'm making an hour yeah. When I could be like trying to build something in the rest of the time. Cause it's not just like, you know, it's not just the, um, the hour that you're spending doing it. It's also like the starting and the stopping of the other thing and, and splitting up your time. Yeah. Like having, mm-hmm. lo- having long stretches of time to work on stuff is like so valuable. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. Totally. I can, I can relate so much just because at first when, when I was, starting to feel like that job was at least an an escape. So I don't work all the time. It started to eventually get in the way and it started like the stresses from that job started coming into this work, which they should be completely separate to me. Um, And it started interfering too much. And I, I started being like, I, at this point, what, why am I there other than just to get out of the house? Like it, it wasn't even about the money anymore. It was more, so I had to make a decision kind of, um, should I leave or should I not? Because it is also like a scary jump as well to quit like a second source of income. Um, but yeah, I totally relate with that for sure. Uh, so I want to take a bit of a left turn. I meant to mention this, uh, in the intro and I think I introduced you as an artist, jewelry maker, illustrator, and some other things. And I neglected to say that, uh, you're also a, a content creator and you're sort of like blowing up on TikTok right now. <laughs> so was that something that just sort of happened or, or is this something that like you just do for fun? Or are you like, Oh wow, this is like something I should pursue. I'm just really curious to get your perspective on that. It, it definitely just sort of happened. I downloaded TikTok of 
January of last year just to see what it was about. And then I started making just like, I, I, I liked the option of adding music to my videos that mm-hmm. I put on my story. So I only started using it for in, to repurpose onto Instagram. So I didn't care about TikTok at all. I just wanted those videos. And then I ended up like, I think I had one that got, I don't know, a couple hundred likes. And I was like, oh, people are seeing this and like following me. And I just kept going. I kept like following with the trends. And I don't know. I, I realized I really love filming process videos. Um, if you look mm. on my Instagram, like it's filled with just behind the scenes process videos and TikTok, the way it lets you edit the videos where you can cut, it's like a mini editing app. So, and it makes it super easy and then you can put great music on it. So I was just like falling in love, even if I wasn't getting any exposure at all on that app, I was like, man, this is cool. <laughs> Um, and then what ended up happening is just the fact that I was being so consistent in wanting to post for my Instagram, I ended up just having a couple videos blow up. And then what's really funny is I had a random video about a color palette that I was explaining blow up and it almost got a million likes. And I, and I gained, I gained like 70,000 followers in like a week. That's incredible. And it, the reason why it blew up so much is because people were arguing and people were saying, first of all, it was like, it was, it was innocent. It was like, Oh, I don't think that's the color that you're describing. I don't know if this works. And then, oh, is it like the blue and the blue and gold yeah, dress thing? Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> and then people started getting mean and they started bullying me. Oh no, <laughs> oh, no. It started being like, I hate this girl's nails. This is super ugly. I hate her voice. Like, I was just like, I, I'll let it happen because you guys are giving me exposure, but it's kind of <laughs> mean, man. I don't know why anyone would do that. Um, and then since then, I've like, I just, I post every day almost just for fun. I don't, I don't necessarily follow the trend so much anymore. It's more just like, I like the aesthetic of the videos I make now, <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of accidental, I'd say. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> I mean, I've noticed a similar thing with TikTok. It's like, you know, you, you post something that gets like a ton of views. And then I, I've done this thing where I put like a lot of work into another one. It's like, oh, I'm going to, lightning's going to strike twice. And then that one doesn't just get watched. Like, it gets like no, like a hundred views. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's just the way the algorithm works. And so like, I think the only really way to like do anything there is, is like being consistent. And it's, it kind of speaks to <laughs> yeah. how the algorithm works there. Uh-huh. No, that's that. Yeah. It's, it's actually really disappointing sometimes. Cause it's like, oh yeah. The, honestly, the videos that I haven't cared about have done amazing. And then I put so much work into one and it gets nothing. And the thing I always tell people is like the follower count on TikTok doesn't matter because I can still post a video. And if it's the wrong hashtags, wrong time of the day, wrong sound, it will get 20 likes, even though I have so many followers, like it does, it doesn't matter at all, at all. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, and ti- and timing plays such a big role too. No matter like whether it's Instagram or other platforms, it's just crazy. Like if you post on a Monday night or a Tuesday night, it makes a massive difference. I don't know why, it just is. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like, and it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole of like, wait, but should I post this now? Like, it might not get as many views or likes or whatever. But it's just like, I think in the end, you could get really wrapped up in that. But it's always, always, always about consistency. Just like post every day. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. 
Which is, it sounds like you have a really good mindset around it. That's that's good. And like, it's I'm interested because I'm in the kind of like the YouTube maker world where like in a lot of, for a lot of people, like the video in some ways is more important than the physical product. It's like, they'll make the physical product to make the video. Um, and from what I've heard so far, it sounds like the video for you up to this point has been like a happy side effect of the physical products. But I'm curious, like, are you, are you thinking about like diving more into like the video for the video's sake? Um, or is, or is it, it was the focus like on the behind capturing the behind the scenes and, and building the brand in that way. I think, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I think I really just like to focus on behind the scenes. I like, um, cause the video is, fine but in the end people they want to see kind of all of it in one video um and what i've learned especially on tiktok and instagram is they want to see it fast like um Mm. so i yeah i did watch some of your videos actually morley and i i really like the way you do your videos the like kind of tutorial way um and i think you're doing a lot of behind the scenes too and um yeah, I think people just really, really want to see how how you do it. Not even necessarily like they don't want to copy you. They just like are really, really interested. And I think that actually connects them more to the end result, especially like if if I, you're like me and you're trying to sell it, like that's kind of my, a, like a huge marketing strategy for me is showing, hey, this is how much time went into this and this is how I did it exactly. And um, if you want, you can buy it. <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool that's really interesting yeah and so important like you mentioned like being able to show that behind the scenes you're opening your your entire process allowing people to kind of like it's the peak behind the current effect right and it gives people it cultivates that sense of personal connection with the creator and like oh that's how they do it oh that's so cool i have to go check out Mm -hmm. you know more of their stuff that they do it's nice to kind of have that to kind of help build that exposure over time Mm -hmm, definitely definitely that's definitely been like the biggest thing that's helped me grow too because those those types of videos get a lot of interaction and a lot of um they show up a lot on like the explorer page and and different they they kind of revolve around the internet for a long time so it's like really cool yeah huh that's very interesting um i'm just thinking about uh video algorithms now anyways um (laughs) to to divert a bit from the uh content creation side of things um i want to talk more about like the the physical look of your jewelry and the inspiration from it because i feel like you do have like a very particular style um and and you talked about how like when you started in polymer clay it was like a new thing for you um but what was the process like in getting that aesthetic and and, and the color palettes and the different collections that you've sort of come out with. Cause you, you're super seasonal. It sounds, it seems like every, like every season you have like a complete new restock and it's like all new stuff. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely taken a while. I I'll give that to COVID because when COVID started, I had all the time in the world to think about like, how am I going to move forward? Um, when I started, my pieces were I don't want to say horrible because everybody starts at like a different place, but they were breaking. They weren't, they were really fragile when they're not supposed to be, they're actually supposed to be flexible. So they're never supposed to break. Um, so it, that was the learning curve first. And then once I actually got the logistics and the technical aspect, I was like, okay, 
at this point, by the time I learned all that, there had been so many new polymer clay artists popping up everywhere. Like the the market was getting super saturated and I had to stop and think like, how can I be different? Because it seems like everybody likes kind of the, the modern minimalist look. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that as well, but how can I play off of that and make it completely unique to me? So over like last year, I was just playing around with, especially with color and the colors that I'm drawn to, because in the end it's a portrayal of me kind of. Um, and it was it was kind of forming. I'd say as soon as the warm weather hit last year, I started thinking about, okay, what are things that happen? Like when it's warm, what are things in Toronto? What, how can I do? How, first of all, how can I bring my illustration work into these earrings? Cause that's what I've wanted all along. I just didn't have the skills yet. Um, so I was playing around and in my illustration work, I like to do a lot of line work. And um, I was just kind of looking back at my old work and I was like, how can I bring this in? And then um, the idea of cherry blossoms came because right around that time, the cherry blossoms were blooming in Trinity Bellwoods. So I was like, oh, that could be cool. So I just did it. They turned out like really good for like a first time kind of. And people really love them. So I just kind of stuck with that. And I started... Um, again, it always comes back to color for me. I started looking at color palettes that I'm really drawn to and color palettes that would just look great on like a piece of, um, a a jewelry piece that's like an inch thick or wide, I guess. Um, and I played around with that. And then I also played around with that line work. So the way I portray line work in the jewelry is I, I engrave into it and create texture. So that ends up Uh. looking like lines. And after the first time I did that, I was like, Eureka, I, I have found it. I have found the ingredients. (laughs) Um, and then I realized like 100% color and texture. Those are the two things I will always need to be able to stand out because anybody else can go and get these shapes that I'm cutting from a store. Anybody else can um, use this, use that. Anybody else can use these metal parts, but nobody else can replicate my personal style. So I just, I kept going with that, kept doing more florals. And then I also got into more like abstract shapes because that's where my illustration work is going now. I'm doing like a lot of blobby stuff with line work over top. So I'm really just like, since then, I've just been feeling, hey, what do I want to draw? And then I'm like, oh, I could probably make these into earrings too. Like, who knows? We'll try. (laughs) And it's always about like, not being, not thinking it's stupid to not try it. Like, I'm always going to try it, whether it fills or not. I just won't show anyone. (laughs) Right. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Um, And I think that's where a lot of people trip up is they're like, oh, no, that's a bad idea. I shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. You don't know if it's a bad idea until you try it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so important to distinguish yourself, like you mentioned, especially if you're doing this as a business, so like it's so critical to find something that feels authentic to you, but also differentiates yourself from like the others that are doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's mentioned, it's interesting that you mentioned color theory before, because I was just looking at all the work and your jewelry and the shapes and the images. And I just thought, yeah, you understand color theory <laughs> perfectly. I just love looking at these images. They're beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the best part for me, really. I love figuring out color palettes. And I, at this point, I even just post 
color palettes. Like it doesn't even have to be jewelry. On my store, I'll just be like, hey, look at these colors. And people will be like, wow. (laughs) 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 That's amazing. And so like when you first started out making jewelry before you got into the business side of things, did you have an idea of like what you wanted the style to be? Or was it more of like a process of self-discovery along the way? It, I, it was definitely self-discovery because when I first started, it, it was like random things I molded with my fingers. Like it was, it was not nowhere. Like I, I feel like I raised it from a child. To be honest. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it definitely just developed along the way and it's still developing. Like I'll still constantly try to find new things, but yeah, definitely a build up. It's amazing. Um, because when I, I worked at my local museum, my hometown for several years when I was a late teenager and when I was doing my undergrad. And while I was there, it's a local museum. So we had so many different artists come in and people who've made their own jewelry. I didn't know this, like how just how many people did this using all different types of material from like, you know, whether it was like seashells because I'm from the East Coast, uh, you know, painted sand dollars or even like using sea glass you know, glass that's been molded in the sea for a long time and how it's been carved and made to use jewelry for like earrings and necklaces. It's so incredible to see all of this work from so many different types of materials from so many people. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah. You can, you can make jewelry out of anything in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And it's cool how like so much jewelry like tells a story. And that's one of the things I really like about your work is you make these sheets that like, almost look like a painting on its own, like of these like flowers, like blowing in the wind. And then you like, like not to be blunt, but you kind of like destroy them. You don't destroy them and make them worse, but you cut them up into pieces. And then it's, so it's like, oh, wow. Like if I get this pair of earrings, it's like part of a painting. I don't know if like you've gotten that feedback before, but like when I was looking at your stuff, I was like, oh, wow, that's so interesting. Like, and you can see like which part of the larger piece Mm -hmm. that it comes from in the same way that like, if you get like sea glass earrings, it like tells a story of this like piece of glass that's, you know, been washed away for 50, 100 yeah. years. No, I, I've gotten that for sure. I, I actually got um, one of my followers messaged me the other day saying, hey, have you ever thought of just selling like that sheet by itself, like hanging it on the wall? And I'm like, no, I never have because they just said like it looks like a painting or some sort of art that should be hung. But it's so funny. I was also saying in a, in a video I just filmed that, I make this, I spend sometimes like hours on it and then I rip it to shreds, <laughs> which yeah. I mean, it forms beautiful wearable art, but at the same time, it's, there's always a moment of doubt before I do that where I'm like, oh God, <laughs> better not ruin this. I spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it, you, you talked about in the, in the very beginning when you started out and you made this like little clay pot that wasn't very good. But it's funny now, I, I, I noticed like a week or so ago, like you were actually playing around with painting mm-hmm. pots and it seemed like like a cool return to this thing that you started with. Like, I don't know, I don't think you were like making the pot itself, but it was sort of like, you kind of like over the two years or so kind of like found your way to come back to this project that you realized was intimidating after trying yeah, it the first time. Yeah, that's so true. I've, I've had that thought as well. Um, the fact that I just kind of made a full circle almost Um, But what's funny is one of my friends, she's getting into like ceramics. And I told her, if you make some pots for me, I'll paint them. So that would totally be full circle. Just like, (laughs) but yeah, I'm I'm really happy. I've, I've always been drawn to like plant pots and, and funky 
home decor for sure. So I'm really happy. I kind of, again, just went for it and tried something new because that ended up being like a really incredible discovery for me that I could even do that. Um, and, and even like discover a new passion of putting my illustration work onto something else, not just jewelry. Uh, yeah, I love doing the plant pots. <laughs> do you do the illustration work itself? Do you do much of that as a standalone these days or is it mostly uh, a part of the process for your other work? Not so much. I'm very uh, in and out with it. Some weeks I will only do illustration work. I won't do anything else. Um, I just got an iPad. So I've been working on Procreate, um, oh. which is so much fun to learn and just like play around with. Um, but before I definitely, I have phases and some great stuff will come out of that, but then I won't draw again for like two or three months. Um, yeah. Cause wow. it's just like, sometimes it's really hard to balance. Like, Oh, I'm, I have every single day I'm being creative in my studio, making jewelry or wall decor. Like how much creativity can I have? <laughs> Cause it's, it's like, I want to be able to also just in my free time because I want to draw or be creative but it's it's I don't know maybe you guys relate as well like it's hard to be creative when you are pursuing a creative um career yes <laughs> do you want to go first for Marley and I'll follow up after yeah I mean I, I think um one of the nice things about like having a large variety of interests is that like I can always find something that feels fun and playful um and you know, I don't think that was the case always. So like there, there's definitely been points where when I was younger and I didn't have as much grit of like getting like through those like experiences of, you know, having a hard day and then realizing that you kind of switch gears and work on something else. Um, but now I, I'm fine. That's like, okay, well, I know at work I'm going to spend like at least five, six hours of my day doing 3D modeling or working on some curriculum stuff. So like, let me make sure this morning that I don't do anything on the computer so that like that still feels fun when I come back to it elsewhere. And I don't like totally burnt out of it, especially if it's like something that I know I will need to do. And, and, and like, I don't want my whole life to feel like a job. I want to feel like I have those moments of play. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try to do a bit of planning to make sure that like it will stay fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Trying to kind of keep it feeling fun and fresh because I do marketing as my day job. And that's like twofold. It's creative, but it's also very analytical. So like I do a lot of stuff like yeah. that. And I'm doing like graphic design and videos and like, you know, videos my background, but videos take a lot of time, you know, and whatever types of projects that I'm working on. And like eventually, like, you know, if you're working on the computer all day, you don't want to go back to the computer after dinner, after dinner and write or edit or, you know, start planning a shoot. Right. So it's like, like, I'm always trying to find new ways to balance everything that I'm doing and also just trying to keep being inspired. You know, so much inspiration is just comes from, you know, just being observant in different situations and scenarios. And that's something I always want to be able to. I don't know, I guess you could say fire on all cylinders, so to speak, but <laughs> but something yeah. I'm trying to do. And like, I'm always starting to pivot into some new video projects that I'm going to be putting out shortly, <clears> but <throat> it's exciting, you know, to kind of like, because like, I don't know, I'm always finding, whether it's through work or through like just my own personal work, there's always new opportunities to do things in different ways, always popping up. And it's always like, oh, what if I go explore this area? What's this going to lead to? It's always just kind of keeping yeah. yourself inspired and keeping going that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of like strike while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. 
because I think like, you know, no one is really disputing that like the 80, 20 principle exists, like 20, 80% of the benefits come from like 20% of the very important things overall, um, over being just like busy generally. That being said, like, I do like bouncing around throughout a variety of things during the day, but I think it's freeing to realize that you're like, if I just like chill a little bit, like not forcing myself to just be like sketching at this time every day and know that like that inspiration will come and I can have like three hours of rampant work mm. and it'll be really, really good. Um, versus like, you know, kind of trying mm-hmm. to force it. Right. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I feel like, uh, me and Morley, like we, if we have computer stuff, we can kind of separate that and go to more physical stuff. But Ryan, if you're, if you have a marketing job where you're on the computer and then your um, side thing is also on the computer, how do you like, how challenging is that for you? How do you kind of get away from that? If you still want to be do you have a typewriter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I, I should, I should get out my mom's old typewriter that she did her English thesis on. So I should go get it. <laughs> but um, how do I, yeah. How do I get away from the machines that sound like I'm in the Terminator movies, but, <laughs> but, yeah. Well, one thing is that I I love writing. One thing that, you know, the pandemic has given me the opportunities to really go back to writing. That was always like my roots is when I first began doing like, you know, short stories and everything since I was a kid. And, and like, I mean, writing like away from the computer, not typing, like I just go and I just sketch and I write and I scribble and, and it can look chaotic, but it's wonderful mm. in the sense that it's like, I'm able to just kind of go and kind of like go into that world and because writing, I find, takes so much time and, you know, you're literally just, you know, fighting with your thoughts and, you know, trying to describe and express yourself, whether it's a story or an article, like in the best way that you can. So, like, that's given me a whole bunch of new ideas to do, like, you know, short stories and short films, but also to do some articles to post online as well. And that's something I've been working on recently. So that's been nice. That's kind of given me, it's just like, oh, wait, I, I don't have to always be looking at, you know, editing, you know, until like five in the morning <laughs> anymore, but like I can kind of like go into this world. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like I would just, sometimes I like one thing I've done recently is like, I just take my camera, I go out in the woods cause I'm in a rural area back in my hometown. And I just, you know, go out and I just observe and see if there's anything that interests me, whether it's like, you know, something in nature or a nice photo, a nice moment, you know, mm-hmm. and you capture that. And so then you go back and look at that photo and you remember that moment mm-hmm. and what you were feeling and, I don't know. It sounds like a bit too meta, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's just even stuff like just stuff like that kind of gives me, I was like, remember where you were in this moment and what you were feeling and how inspired you were. It's like, Oh yeah. It's, and then you kind of put yourself back into that headspace. And then even if I am very busy and working very much, cause like I made like three videos for work this week alone and like just like an hour before <laughs> we're chatting with you guys. So, so yeah, like that's just, you know, I just try to do different things. If I'm too much doing like one thing, like you mentioned on the computer, I just kind of like, okay, let's go into something else before I come back to this. And then you, know, you see things with new, fresh eyes and fresh perspective mm-hmm. and new ways to to yeah. pursue your projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going going in nature, like going for a walk definitely helps. I don't know about you, about you guys, but like that's the main thing I have to do when I'm feeling like super cramped up in here. It's like walk yeah. instantly. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, I've, I think I've said on this podcast before, but like Charles Dickens would walk something crazy like 10 miles a day in London. Mm-hmm. Um, I need a citation for that, but like, you know, it's like a legitimate part mm-hmm. of the process. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not just about like, you know, mental health, which is incredibly important, but like it literally makes you more effective. 
I was re- I was helping my boss at work this week read through a bunch of resumes and cover letters for someone we want to hire. Mm. And if you're reading resumes and cover letters from people who are applying from the same university program, they all start to look very <laughs> similar <laughs> and very boring. And it's like I started feeling bad when I was like 10 deep and I was thinking like, this person might be a great candidate, but like I physically cannot analyze it right now. Like I need to go do something else so I can give this person a fair mm. shot. It's not fair to me to be, to work on this right. It's not fair to them for me to be working right. on this right now. Um, and I think that's really important to remember. It's like if you want to like like do good work, um, you can't kill yourself because like we're not robots. No. <laughs> yeah. Although, although sometimes I wish I was because I'm like, oh, if I could just like reclaim all those little points of product in, with productivity. I'm just I'm so excited for self driving cars <laughs> when I can just right. do stuff while I'm driving. <laughs> making making jewelry yeah. behind the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One, one thing I have been doing um, is using driving as a time for like out loud journaling in a way. So I've, I've done this before where I've re- like recorded voice memos while driving, mm. but sometimes I'll just like, if I'm driving to work by myself, I'll just use it as an opportunity to like, kind of like talk to myself about like, okay, like today I'm feeling like this. Well, why am I feeling like that? Like what's going on? Um, and just kind of like pretend like I'm talking to someone. Because for me, those sort of thoughts like flow very well while driving. Um, and I'll notice it sometimes like I'll be listening to a podcast and my mind will start watering a bit. It's like, no, I should, I should turn this off and uh, do some introspection. Mm. This is the time to be doing it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good habit. I've never journaled out loud. Like I journal every day in a notebook, but I've never, I don't really talk to myself because I do have a roommate. So it's kind of like I'll seem a little crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all for destigmatizing yeah. talking to yourself. Yes. I think it's, it can be very useful. And that's a g- nice thing about yeah. driving is that no, one's no there. one has to hear you. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, um, we, 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 we touched on this a few times throughout the episode and you, you talked about like feedback you've gotten from people who wear your jewelry. And this is one of my favorite things uh, about doing commission work, which I'm not really doing right now, but it's one of the things I've loved is this sort of like community that you're building around like all these people that now have your stuff. Um, and I'd love to get your take on like what that experiences have been like. And I mean, you basically have people that are sending you like modeling <laughs> photos. from where, Yeah. Know, it's, it's, um, it's incredible. It's like one of the biggest reasons why I do it. Cause it's just, I love, um, I just love that community, not only from customers, but also the community that Instagram gives me with other creators as well. Like even just talking to you guys right now, you reached out through Instagram. Um, It's just creating that community. And then also with the customer feedback and some people are just genuinely the nicest people in the world. And like, I don't know, it makes you feel so good that they want to wear this or they want to buy it because they think their friend's going to love it or their mom got this and she wears it every day type, just that kind of stuff. It makes it all worth it. Even like all the stress and stuff that it's caused before, like all that just makes it completely worth it. It's, it's just so, yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> yeah. It must be like so motivational when someone reaches out and says, I love what you made or I love that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the set of earrings that you made. It goes great with, you know, with me. It's just that it must be such a, I don't know, sense of accomplishment when, when you get those little victories like mm-hmm. that. There's also like weird little 
things that happen, especially like around Toronto, where people either when when I used to do markets in person, people will come and buy some stuff. And then sometimes once I got a message of a girl who was like, hey, I went to class today and I saw a girl wearing like familiar earrings and I went up and asked her where she got them and they're from you too. And I was wearing my earrings that day. So uh, we bonded over like wearing your earrings. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just those little things, especially around Toronto, because that's where, because people want to support local as much as they can, especially right now. It's just like, Feeling, feeling very loved by my Toronto people for sure right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's um, I'm excited to like become more connected with the Toronto arts community because it is like I, I've only been here for a sh- short amount of time. It's coming up on like um, no, not almost two years, mm. year and three quarters, and um, you know, it's such like an amazing, vibrant city, but a solid two thirds of it for me has been spent in a pandemic and like, you still, you still meet, you know, like all like people like you um, and Ryan, who I kind of already knew a little bit beforehand, but people through all these virtual means, but um, I'm excited to like develop more of those like in-person connections with Mm -hmm. the community here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Definitely in person is, is the best way people, like I said, especially like I'd say around, queen west and in the annex like those small little bubbles like they love to support their local artists and and artists within that community love to connect with each other like it feels very very tight-knit for sure Mm -hmm. yeah there's also just like it seems like there's a lot of organizations around toronto that are focused on supporting artists i'm sure like a a lot of cities are like this but you know, like there's like Artscape and mm-hmm. Arts Market and the, the bigger mm-hmm. Arts Market, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> the giant one that I forget, I'm forgetting the name of. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. Definitely. It's great- Love it. It's nice. Yeah. Well, like I never, you know, encountered like such a large um, community of like video creators than when I was in Toronto, especially just like documentary, like hot dogs, for example, and going there and so many people interested in the subject matter in those, like, you know, like I never witnessed anything like that before. So mm-hmm. it's just incredible. Just meeting people, being in chat with them and hear about their process and their experiences and comparing and contrasting that with yours. It's nice being able you know, it's too bad that COVID's, you know, forced us just, you know, just do it through like, you know, Zoom chats. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but uh, hopefully when it's all said and done that, you know, we can get back to that and, you know, for, keep on forming those creative communities now and helping all grow and advance in their crafts. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, so speaking um, of the future, do you... Sarah, and your answer to this could be just be, I don't know. And that's totally valid. But do you have any thoughts of like where you would like to take Viv or kind of how, if you might want to like change it up a little bit in the future or you're just, you're just riding the wave? I'm, I'm doing a little bit of both. I definitely have some sort of like a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like I feel like it might all disappear, <laughs> which is horrible. <laughs> I don't want to think like that, but I... I feel like I haven't planned like crazy far ahead, but for the next couple of years, I definitely plan to keep um, growing on social media, just keep that consistency up and keep like being authentic to myself and the things that I want to post that portray myself. I don't never want to go into like too businessy. I like to stay how I am, but also I just want to keep growing. Um, I'm also 
getting into the YouTube, which which is fun, but it's like a, a huge learning curve, which I didn't expect. Um, and I think small things, like I'd eventually want to get an assistant to do all the stuff that I don't like to do, like like oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, packaging orders and stuff like that. Um, and then I think eventually I'd like to, like once COVID's blown over, uh, start doing some workshops because I know a lot of people want to learn polymer clay and kind of mm-hmm. how it works and how to how to do it so i can kind of jump from doing that behind the scenes video content into real life um yeah i haven't thought too much about it i'm also really into muralism like i've done a couple murals and I, oh, like, cool. yeah, oh, nice. like that's when i started illustration that's what i wanted to end up doing and i'm still really i feel really connected to it still so i i do want to branch out and I know there's some um organizations in Toronto that actually help artists do that so that would be a huge interest of mine as well amazing that's awesome there's some fantastic murals in the, in the mm-hmm. back alleys yeah. in the annex Ryan it, it makes it feel like such a neighborhood especially when like multiple property owners all collaborate to have like a continuous mural go across their mm-hmm. garage doors which is like you just like, it, you you physically can see that like they are friendly neighbors that like work together to make yeah. this thing happen. It just makes it feel like yeah. a better neighbor. Yeah, and it's 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 also great to give that artist an opportunity, right? Even if like it's a back alley, it's still like giving them that exposure and also just that experience as well. That's what I love. I love those like garage murals. I'd love to do one, but <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't ask for a better canvas than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're interested in um, teaching some workshops, uh, my current work, uh, they might uh, they might want to hit you up for that. So maybe I'll talk hey, to you after yeah, that. I'm, I'm down. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's a great point to switch gears to what we're putting in the spotlight this week. Uh, and I will kick it off. So, oh yeah, I want to give a shout out to my friend Tanner. Um, he has an Instagram called Urban Gentleman Photography. We studied civil engineering together at McGill and um, connected a lot after our studies um, because he was getting really in, or he hit for a while, he's been really into film photography. Um, and so we were talking a lot about like creative stuff and what we were kind of interested in outside of engineering. Um, and he just does like really amazing work. Um, he also does digital photography, but you know, there's that certain je ne sais quoi about large format film photography, which is a lot of what he mm-hmm. does. Um, you know, like super, like 70 millimeter. Film. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's the correct term, <laughs> whatever, but larger than 35 and some 35 as well. Um, he, a lot of really like striking black and white photography and, and color stuff as well. Um, and I know that he is looking to turn it into more of a business and he's, uh, deep in that process right now so he could definitely use the support um we'll link him in the show notes uh urban gentleman photography and i think his other account is called uh urban gentleman urban gentleman digital um yeah he's in montreal so if you're in montreal and you're looking for a photographer you should hit him up <laughs> uh what about you ryan for me uh so my into spotlight for this episode is a bit broader but I think it's very important, especially considering everything that we've been talking about. And it works perfectly because we've been talking about a lot, but it's about 
um, just recognizing and appreciating all of the local artists around us. Because I mentioned on the podcast before, like since the pandemic, I was in Toronto for about two years and then I moved back here because, you know, to work from home. And one thing that's been great about coming back home is just seeing how many local artists that I've known over the years have grown and, you know, exceeded in so many different and tried so many different crafts and projects. And even people I didn't know who have started going into um, art and doing different things, seeing everything that they've done and putting their work out in boutiques and museums and other little gift shops all around my home region. And yeah, it's just nice being able to come back and see through a whole new lens, like some of the great work that they're doing. Because like there's great local artists such as Sarah and others in every single neighborhood and every town and every city. And like I touched this a bit on uh, Roxanne's episode, but, but yeah, I think local artists we just need to like sometimes we walk by you know you're going down the street and you walk by like you know maybe several boutiques and maybe it's just like you know when things are back normal just to kind of go in and see some of the great work that people are doing and sharing it and you know kind of like fostering you know more local art communities but like on a broader scale because that's one thing that's nice about being back in my hometown just seeing such the incredible work that people are doing and they may not have the largest social media or online presence but they're doing it it's being made and uh, yeah, if there's any way we can support it in any way that we can, we should. Love that. Agree. Okay. My into the spotlight. I think I have, I have one and a half. <laughs> um, the first right. one Ooh. is my brother, Cole. I have two brothers. So hopefully the other one doesn't listen to this, but um uh he so he's my elder brother i'm the um youngest uh and he has supported me so much in the last year it's crazy covid really made us like we talk every day at this point we not that we had a bad relationship before but at this point we've talked so much that i consider him my best friend and over the past year i've been able to watch him um kind of like release his stigma against creatives and the industry that I'm in just because he's watched my process. Um, kind of when we first started talking a lot, he was very against the fact that I, I dropped out. He wasn't, he wasn't completely sure about it. And over the past year, he's really listened to me and, and taken my perspective in and his girlfriend who has become one of my great friends is trying to pursue something creative as well on the side. And I think he is really just opening up to, to different possibilities in the world. And I really appreciate that. And I appreciate our friendship because of that. Um, and the second one is just like a little, a little gratitude um, about uh, the space that you decide to like work and live in. I recently just moved from a not so good apartment building into like a condo where I have my own studio now. And I never realized the effect that my workspace really has on me. Like I have huge windows now compared to like one small window. And I used to share my studio with my roommate and now it's completely my own. So I'm feeling really, really grateful. And I want to put that in the spotlight and just like, and just mention how, your workspace can really just like depict how the, the kind of work you make or how you feel in your, in your own home or whatever, whatever you're working on. So, yeah. Yeah. I will give that a hearty <laughs> second. 
Um, I think it's it's very easy to overlook that and or not even realize that you're in like a suboptimal place because you just become habituated to it and you're like, oh well, this is the space I work in. It's not like you're feeling especially bad all the time. But then when you when you move to somewhere that's better or you decide to you know like bring in more like bright colors or get a more comfortable chair, even um, it's like, wow, how did I ever survive? <laughs> Yeah. Before this, how, how did I live? <laughs> exactly. I, I agree with that 100%. Like a dream of mine is one day just to have my own little studio space that you can just customize and make it your own little place of like focus and, you know, place of, you know, just to see some of, the, of like, just to see where you, you have grown as an artist and to kind of like, you know, have that motivation to kind of keep seeing how far you've come and to see where else you can go mm-hmm. next i love to have like a place like yeah, that yeah 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 and like big big milestones and stuff you know kind of working your way up it's it's pretty mm. it's pretty cool to look back on as well yeah feels good <laughs> <laughs> awesome well um if you want to see sarah's amazing work you can see it on instagram at vive.jewelry um tiktok at vive jewelry and at vivejewelry.ca you're also on sorry i i know in the intro i said i would say viv and now i'm saying viv <laughs> just pronouncing right at the end we have come full circle spelled viv um and you mentioned as well that you're on youtube as well now just search viv jewelry um yeah um sarah thank you so much for coming on I'm, i hope you enjoyed the I did. conversation great conversation thank you for having me it was a lot of fun actually I said that like I was surprised. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing um, your story with us, your journey. I'm so excited to see what you're going to do next. And I'm, I'll be a proud supporter. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Bye.